Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, welcome to today's podcast episode. It's going to be all about leadership, leadership development, training, everything around what set successful leaders in today's environment. And with that, I have a very special guest, Robin Camerode, and she's a leadership development trainer and coach, and she's got a fantastic story, and I'm happy to have her on the show to share her experience and wisdom. So, Robin, welcome. Thank you so much, and I am just honored to be here with a double doctor, Dr. Dr. Christopher Liu. So, I am so excited to be with you and your audience, so uh, thanks for including me. Yeah. Um, tell people about your story, your background, how you got started, and we'll go from there. Yeah, absolutely. So, <clears throat> so I came out of undergrad thinking I was going to go into law. I think my grandmother initially planted the seed. I was a good arguer, and she's like, you should just be a lawyer. <laughs> so when I graduated, I hadn't really kind of got my plan together, so I kind of took, uh, took, uh, took a job. And within months, I realized I just loved working. I landed in a big consulting firm. I didn't even know consulting was like management consulting was a thing, uh, but I landed in a big consulting firm and it, I just loved it. I loved everything about working. And so what happened was I never actually made it to law school, but I just dug in. I just really um, enjoyed working with clients. We were working in data and program management. And before I knew it, I was kind of 10 years in and as, as what happens to so many people who are individual contributors kind of got promoted up through, uh, through the organization and found myself inheriting a really big team. So I had done some project management and some small team leadership, but not a team of this size. And I was just woefully underprepared for this challenge. And within about 18 months, sadly, the relationship with my team deteriorated to the point where half of them quit on the same day and walked into my office 10 out of 20 people walked into my office with a single sheet of paper and they just left and Mm -hmm. i was just totally devastated i mean humiliated devastated and put my head down on my desk and i thought immediately i was like if i do nothing else in my career so forget law forget data forget project project management if i do nothing else in my career i just want to be a good leader i just want to be a good manager i want to take care of people because it was just such a devastating experience and really just didn't align at all with who I was. And so that was about 15 years ago. And since then, every single day has been really focused on understanding what people want and need at work and how I can meet them where they are and really be the kind of leader that they need in their environment. So 
I'm really proud that kind of turned that situation around and it took it took a little bit of time but to kind of turn that around still have really good relationships that with that team that we rebuilt and so after going through that experience um, a couple of years ago I thought you know I really you know I want to do this kind of on a different scale and work with clients as a coach and as a trainer and just share what I've learned so that's that's a little bit about my background hmm. yeah it's interesting I love um, these instances where people have these aha moments and just kind of, um, you know, these ins sources of inspiration. One thing is that uh, we were discussing and you have, you talk about leadership isn't a role, it's a relationship and why it's important and how to change your team dynamics and impact by setting aside checklists and building connection. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I just, I think so often, I think, well, certainly for me and, and a lot of the people I work with kind of, we think about leadership as a job, you know, and there's a task list associated with it. And I just, these are my responsibilities. But when it comes down to it, leadership is our relationship with each other. And it completely hinges on trust. And can we communicate? And can we articulate a vision? And do they buy in? And are we able to listen and hear them? And so it's all of those dynamics of the relationship that I found that when I tuned into nurturing those relations building and then nurturing those relationships things started to shift instead of kind of treating people as like an action item that i had to take care of but really trying to connect yeah um i love that it's like you know the connection and you know um especially in today's organizations um the younger generation they want to go out create their own companies or work for companies or organizations that resonate with their values um not necessarily this um, hierarchy or some arbitrary standard. And with that, there's you you have this um, key idea where you talk about the role of champions in leadership development, and we have conversations on the importance of mentorship in developing strong leaders and tips for finding and fostering those relationships for career growth. What should the younger generation be looking for, seeking for? How do they find mentors that are good leaders? Um, you know, expand on that. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a great question, you know, and so, and I'll answer it in a couple of different ways. So I think mentors, coaches, advocates, champions, there's a lot of different people that we can almost have, kind of think about them as a board of directors, a collection of people in our lives that we have relationships with that you can kind of pull on or tap into a different at different times for different needs. So I don't necessarily think of it as kind of just one person. So I think kind of more of a team. Um, and they also think about people with a range of experiences. So maybe somebody that has a lot of direct experience in your line of work. So maybe for you, okay, other doctors who might be a little more um, further advanced in their practice or entrepreneurs who are a little bit further down that journey. But you also might pick people from totally different industries that have had experience kind of building large teams or working in a distributed environment or some, something different. So I think thinking about it as a collection um, the thing about champions, the way I think about that is very kind of specific in organizations where you need people on the inside who know you, who like you, and who can help you um, navigate the complexities in some of, especially in large businesses. And so somebody that really can kind of help you figure that stuff out, because so often, especially those when we're early in our career, we spend so much time just trying, mucking about trying to figure it out. And making some mistakes. So just having somebody that can say, "All right, here's what I'm facing. Like, what's what? How would you advise me in terms of in terms of my next step?" So uh, 
Anyway, so I think champions are great for internal, especially in a large organization, but then outside of that, having a suite of mentors, coaches, champions, and so forth, I think it's really useful. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, what I think, uh, as we're the evolution of this uh, conversation is progressing, we, we see that leadership is really changing the kind of the dynamics and kind of the way the role is playing out. So in your opinion, what are some of the most important skills and qualities that leaders should start focusing on and developing in, in today's the fast-paced business environment? Yeah. Well, one thing is that I like, you know, I've kind of come to believe that leadership is for everyone. There are core tenets and practices of leadership that apply to everyone in our organizations, regardless of their role or their title. And I think too often, if we just fence off all of that stuff for senior folks or people with a specific role or function, we lose this opportunity to take wisdom and insight and innovation from, from everyone. Now, that doesn't mean, I mean, of course, we need to have some hierarchy and there has to have to be some kind of reporting relationships and so forth. So we're not going to get rid of that. But I think, um, you know, some of the key, to answer your question more directly, I think some of the key skills, certainly communication, the ability and kind of that two-way communication, the ability to listen and really hear what people are saying, um, as well as to articulate your point of view, um, I think is, is critically important. And, and just, you know, Another thing that I focus on a lot with my clients is building coalitions and partnerships within organizations because none of us work alone. You know, everything is done by small teams. And so your ability to connect with, break down silos and work across the organization um, and be collaborative, I think, is is another one. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's like we're talking. It's uh, relationships and collaborate kind of leveling out, having a face to the company. The other question is, uh, you know, traditionally how we view leaders is, uh, you know, you have this archetype or this stereotype. Talk about the power of vulnerability and um, the benefits of it um, and actually creating psychologically safe cultures where people can be open and share like this, you know, just like this fire chat, you can just talk and um, nothing rehearsed or canned. It's just very open and free. Um, Talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, there are a couple of pieces there that I want to pick up on. And so the first is this archetype of a leader. So I would just ask you and everyone in the audience, just for a moment, you know, pause and th- and, and think about a leader, maybe somebody you worked with in the past or somebody you've kind of seen in media that comes to your mind and what kind of characteristics do they have? And so often it's kind of one image. And that would be a challenge to think about, you know, and I'm like, but not all of us look like that and not all of us sound like that. Yeah. And there's so much more room for leaders that don't kind of fit that traditional archetype, you know, and, and, you know, and so kind of building on that, I would just kind of challenge, like challenge our own possibly limited thinking about what a leader should look like. And then to pick up on another part of your question, a lot of times what we bring with that is that, well, leaders would not show vulnerability. They would be fearless in the face of kind of risk or change, and they would just drive forward. And we know that that also doesn't really work in our environments either, because we all know that not everyone has all the answers. And when you you show up kind of pretending like you got it all figured out, (laughs) nobody trusts you. You know, that, that can't possibly be true. I find it's much more powerful and much more compelling to go in and say, hey, here's how I think about these kind of challenges. These are some of the things that we know and see it. These are the things that we don't know. And we're trying to figure out 
and we're going to do this together and we're going to, you know, we're going to move forward with confidence on those things that we know how to, you know, that, you know, that we know how to do. So to me, it's more powerful to kind of show some of that vulnerability along with some kind of plan to kind of work through those challenges. So it's not, you can't just say like, oh my gosh, it's, I'm feeling really vulnerable and I'm really, uh, you know, afraid of this big change that's happening in our business and like throw your hands up. Like that doesn't work either. You know, claiming that you know more than you actually do. So. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I was just secretly laughing when you were like, yeah, we all know the archetype of the CEO. You have this picture and um, um, this uh, leadership is actually um, changing. Everything is evolving. Businesses can get wiped out in in day. So how do you, how do people keep up with the latest trends and developments? How do they stay abreast and um, kind of become more effective leaders, like thinking ahead for their organizations or companies or businesses, etc.? Yeah. Well, I think um, so I, there are a couple of things that I think about. One is having um, a network of relationships that you can tap into to really learn about, you know, in adjacent, like in similar industries and adjacent industries. So I think um, too often we get stunted in our leadership growth if we're too inwardly focused. And this can happen. Well, can happen in all kinds of organizations, but you do see it in larger in larger businesses, in, in you know, in big hospital settings, like where your whole world becomes that little ecosystem. And then we all end up just kind of recycling the same ideas and the same frustrations. And so, I think to the extent that you could kind of break out of that and have a network that goes beyond those boundaries, you can pull in ideas from from different areas, and not thinking in a in too limited of a way about where those should come from. It doesn't have to come from exactly a model that looks like yours, but you can take ideas from other places. So um, yeah, so I think, uh, and then of course, just reading a lot, listening to as much as you can, like podcasts like these. I, I'm an avid consumer of podcasts, especially because you control you know can control the speed and skip ahead and kind of get the pieces that you really want. Um, but yeah, just being a consumer of information and engaging in conversations with people who are unlike you. Yeah, I love this. Like, this is what I, um, you know, the one thing about this podcast is people say, oh, they're not physicians, but I actually use it as a platform for cross pollination of ideas. So people from all different industries and, um, you know, from a insider's perspective, the medical profession needs upgrade in its, um, mindset and the different types of skills is right now in order to survive it can't just be uh patient care you have to be a good business owner and invest you have to think about leadership management all these things interplay with each other technology everything so um that's why i, I love your answer um is just reading and just kind of soaking up knowledge being curious you know i think i, I love looking at top companies, you know, the fame companies, uh, Google, Apple, all these companies and uh, these leadership programs, how do you measure success? You know, what metrics do you use? What challenges do they face? Um, you know, kind of incumbent. And if an organization gets too ossified, you know, how do you break out of that? Should people quit and leave and do their own thing? Or is it possible to change within the organization? I know that's all. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'll take, the, I'll take the first part of your question, then we can move on to the second one in terms of the return on investment or those metrics. So you can never get any CEO, COO to buy off on investing in a leadership development program without talking to them about like, how, when and how are we going to see a re, you know, return on this investment? Because they can be expensive, both in terms of time and dollars. So we have to have an answer to that question. 
Um, for better or worse, it's not a super straightforward answer. I, you know, we can't, um, typically we can't draw a direct correlation between this person went to a leadership development class and now they're crushing it um, in their role. There's so many factors that play into that, but there are a couple of things that I think we can do to have some sense of the impact. And so it's a combination. One, every organization has some business metrics they're already tracking. So before, you know, at the um, inception of any program, you can take a snapshot or a baseline from kind of where are you with sales and profit and risk management and all of those other metrics and um, employee turnover and all and retention, all that stuff. You can take a snapshot and then at periods of time, you're just going to look at those at kind of at those intervals and kind of look at how the standard metrics are changing. There are two other things that I recommend. The first, or I'm sorry, the first of those other two things are um, a self-assessment by the participants themselves. So before they join the program, they kind of assess their own leadership capabilities. And then after the program, we give them a little bit of runtime to do some practice, maybe three or six months after, they do an assessment again, and we look at how, how their own perception of how their leadership capabilities have changed. The third one kind of related to this, and again, these are a little bit more qualitative and we try to make them as quantitative possible, but a little more qualitative. We talk to managers. Six months after the program, what kind of behavior change have you seen or not seen in this individual? So again, we can't necessarily dry, draw kind of a direct correlation there, but we can get a general sense about how things are shifting. And with that data, it allows program content developers and presenters and the participants themselves participants themselves to really think about like how can we refine this so that we could really up our up our impact um we do know there is uh there are lots of studies out there somebody just forwarded me one um the other day i'll have to send it to you after this call just about it was something like for every dollar invested you get a seven dollar return in terms of sales it was like some metric like that that i was like oh well and i should probably memorize it because it was a really good it was a really compelling number um, but we, so we know there is an impact and we certainly know how it feels to go through one of these programs. People tend to feel more affinity to their organization. They appreciate the investment and they feel more connected. So anyway, so I think there's a number of different ways you can and you should kind of observe, observe the impact. So, and then there was another part to your question that I'm sorry, now it's escaping me. So, you know, when uh, organization, I think as a startup company, you have to be very nimble. Mm -hmm. uh, that's when you see kind of the really receptiveness to leadership. But, you know, once it kind of gets to the um, adolescent or adult stage, then it kind of ossifies and leadership kind of just stay and then stagnates. Mm -hmm. When you're at that stage and, uh, you know, most companies, they go on the decline in order to, you know, compete with new upstarts. Is it better to implement leadership programs then or is it more important? Should people be leaving the organization, starting their own organizations uh, what are your thoughts when uh, organization becomes ossified? Well, you know, I, I mean, I have some thoughts. I'd really be interested in yours as well. But I mean, anything, so whether it's on leadership or any other kinds of, because you can get stale in terms of your innovation or seeking out just new technological solutions to things. You can get stale on, you know, how you think about, I don't know, like serving your, your client, your customer service. Like there's all kinds of things that can stagnate. So anything that shakes things up, as uncomfortable as they can be when they're happening to us can be so effective in kind of breaking us out of our cycle. So, you know, a, a lot of times that means kind of changing up some of the faces around the table or the, the people. So maybe there's some people that rotate out of the leadership team or, and some people that come in. So there's some movement there. You can always bring in people from the outside, you know, more kind of 
drop them in in buckets, you know, just to uh, to kind of challenge some of the traditional thinking. Um, there's this other idea that I have um, recently been um, super interested in and exploring a little bit, but how you can infuse more micro learning that syncs up with our business cycles that helps pre like prevent some of that calcification to begin with. So uh -huh. how can we time things like conversations or like training around lead, um, crucial conversations and conflict resolution, but maybe time those along with like a performance review cycle and just like little micro doses. So nobody has to take a day out of work or, you know, but can we drop in just like little bits of information that kind of sharpen those skills? So that's, um, I, so I don't fully have the answer on that, but I'm kind of interested in how we could shrink down the learning and, and sync it with our business cycles. Yeah. I like that idea of kind of uh, micro dosing, micro learning, it kind of interspersed at very strategic timing moments, you know, as a way of just engagement and also prevention, uh, especially during periods of um, transition. You know, that's really interesting. Um, yeah, this the whole idea of um, leadership is very fascinating. And there's it's not it's not just one It's so many styles and you know different philosophies so as we kind of come to the close um what kind of uh resources you know books tapes programs i know there's a lot of um programs as well that you would recommend and how can people reach out to you if they're interested in finding more about you and your work yeah well um so i really i love to connect with people i think the best place is um linkedin so um if you just shoot me a direct message on linkedin i respond to almost every single one of them so i would love to hear from you um in terms of resources there is so much richness out there in fact it's almost overwhelming at times to kind of sort through what's useful and relevant and so forth so there are a couple things i personally offer a training on executive presence for leaders so it's about how we can lead ourselves and manage our emotions more effectively it's about thought leadership how you can have a point of view and leading others so it's like kind of the combination of those three that i that i offer but they're also i mean just in terms of the free resources the number of ted talks and uh, podcasts and articles that are out there that very much align with this spirit there's just so many good ones so yeah, yeah, I love that. Really, like I said, uh, I always study leaders and um, just kind of, uh, I'm not good at it, but I love to emulate and um, and just learn and soak up, you know, where are good qualities. Resources will be in the links and show notes. Really interesting conversation that Robert gave. She's got a lot of great resources. Check her out on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And thanks so much for coming on to the podcast. Yeah, it was my pleasure. I just really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much for having me. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. listening if you like it be sure to like comment share subscribe we're on everywhere spotify itunes google amazon audible and without much ado be sure to 
thank this show's sponsors, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.